Hello. Good afternoon, Ms. Drake. Hello, Pastor Jay. How are you? I'm fine. <clears throat> We're going to turn the tables today. This is Pastor Teacher Dr. Okay. James Sutton of Walk in Truth and Tanika Drake of God's Gift. What's the other part? Through his word. <laughs> <laughs> God's gift through his word. And she is such a gift to this world and to uh, Anchor and to all the mediums. Um, Miss Author to be. And she's doing a lot of great stuff for the Lord. Uh, and I think her one of her gifts that we're gonna, she's going to share with us today, I'm going to give her time to talk about uh, domestic violence. We're going to cover all aspects of it as much as we can. Um, there's a new acronym for domestic violence. You told me. What was that? Um, IPV, Intimate Partner Violence. Intimate, intimate Partner Violence. Um, right. Let's just start with that. Do you think that makes... I mean, why the change? I, I'm not one of the people that change any of the lingo... It really is just an interchangeable word for domestic violence. It may sound a little kinder, um, but I really don't know why they would change it. It still still means the same thing. They just have changed it. So I like to put them together just in case it's across the board. If it's more for the people who are in a different kind of era, then they okay. change things. So. Yeah. Okay. So it means the same thing: domestic violence or, or say, inter, uh, intimate partner violence, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's just start with the church first. Oh, let's just start. No, let's just start with just normal people. We see okay. the Me Too movement and the uh, the heightened sensitivity to mm -hmm. uh, violence being perpetrated against women. Um, to the level that it's become something to talk about and people are getting fired. Um, men, men, and especially men, are losing their job, their position, their status with, with just the accusations. I mean, they're not even, even do, doing due process. Uh, I'm not citing whether it's good or bad or indifferent, but I mean, it's really a firestorm right now, this domestic violence, this you know, and uh, it seems to really show that America is really kind of violent by nature. You know what I'm saying? Especially yes, in, our, I do. in our intimate relationships. What do you think about what's going on right now with the movements that are happening in, in America as far as domestic violence? Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> for so long, <clears throat> domestic violence has been around for as long as people can remember just right now with the whirlwind of how often and how how much it's coming out now with the celebrities and the senators there's reason now for people to start talking about it not like it didn't exist before because a lot of people have seen it and they would walk past it and if something happened to a woman the thing is it's none of my business keep it moving mm -hmm. so nobody would help someone if you saw a woman and that was happening to her you just kept walking right on by. But now I think the shift is that people want attention to what is happening, not just the women, because there are also men and that, that happens to, and that's not talked about as well, because they're not going to come out and 
my wife is abusing me. They're not going to say that. So mm-hmm. most of the time our men are quiet. And while the women are trying to stand up, it's harder for them because of course, if you're a wife, the male is dominant. So how are you going to go against him? How are you really going to battle against him? It really takes a lot of courage and strength in order to figure out your role to get out of that situation. And for a long time before I was one of those people that would say, why don't you just pack up your stuff and go like, he shouldn't be putting his hands on you until, until I was the one in that very same predicament that I was telling a friend to come out of. Then I got to see, it's almost like the Lord opened my eyes. Like you can't tell somebody how to come out of something if you've never been there. So after I got to see, it was totally different. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's, you know, and I would say in, 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 in the case that you're talking about with yourself, that's far extreme to violence. But, but aren't we, but don't you see, I see this happening too. The uh, domestic violence is also being labeled in the workplace with non-necessarily we call violent overtures. Anything that's unwanted is considered violation or violence. It could be a flirt, a word, or something like that. I mean, do you think that uh, a um, flirt that's unwanted rises to the level of domestic violence or do you think that movement of Me Too in some areas where there's no violence, just words or uh, flirtation that's unwanted from that person makes the divest- the real issue of real violence kind of watered down? It's like everybody's jumping on the bad wagon and had any kind of experience with a man that they didn't like, and it necessarily wasn't violent. Well, with that, it's, it's so, it's kind of, it's a very complex issue okay. because now it 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 really stops some of some of the men. Like summertime is coming up, and there's going to be a lot of flirtation going on. Supposedly, will, but because of what they're watching happening, and a you know just in the relationship aspect, a man trying to get to know a, a female that he's interested in, should he approach her, or if he does, will he be like taking like is she gonna feel I'm approaching her in some kind of way that now she's going to call the cops on me. I can't even go and speak to her. I think the Me Too movement has, is kind of, I know what they're trying to do, but when we try to do so many things and put so many, it's almost like putting so many barriers on top of things that you don't know what you're doing. You're causing like a different kind of stigmatism because now you're stopping people that would normally, you know, if you go to a coffee house, you see someone, hello, how are you? Oh, my gosh. He just talks to me. That's not warranted. I don't want it. You know, I feel violated. Like, right. it, it just, it takes things to a max that is not necessary. And then if something happens to someone for years and years ago, like we saw with Bill Cosby, how should that be brought up to now? Like, that should not be be okay. I can't say fair because nothing is fair in this world, but that should not be okay. There should be a limitation and a statute that you cannot bring something up from years and years and decades and decades ago. And now, now you want to bring it up for whatever reason, if it's, you don't have enough money, if you don't like that, he's going after NBC, whatever the issue is, you want to do something to stop another person. I think the Me Too movement is a very complex thing and can get very sticky. So 
I would, I'm just going to be watching to see how this unfolds. There's a lot of women that are saying things and they're getting a lot of our men in trouble by just saying a simple, just something simple and they'll take it and they're like, Oh, don't talk to me. You know, that, that feels like a violation of my person. And that, that doesn't seem like that's okay. It doesn't seem like that's okay at all. Yeah. Because let's be real. The same, there's one man that will say, hello, how you doing? You look good. And now he's violating. Mm -hmm. But the man that you like say the same exact words and now that's your boo. Yeah, now that's okay. Yeah, that's okay because the one that I wanted said it to me. Yeah, and like I said, we want to definitely validate those women and men, anybody that has had somebody use their authority to abuse them. We want to validate mm-hmm. that cause. But when we turn it down, when we make it just about a conversation or a flirt or an innuendo, I just think we're just opening up. Like you say, now you don't say nothing. Yeah. Now you don't say nothing. And and and, and the possibility of relationship now has, has, has whittled down to maybe I don't need to say nothing verbally. Well, maybe I don't need to text nothing. What what how do I have a communication? Of I want to be with you, and I'm, we're not talking about the vulgar people. We're just talking about just that straight talk. You know, how do you come back after years and maybe it was consensual, and just by it being a topic of today, you can say what you had sex ten years ago was not consensual. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and again, we're not condoning Bill Cosby and the drugs and all of that. You know. But it's just quite interesting how we're looking at one minute the women's movement wants to be free to do anything that men do. And now, in some ways, they are free. But then again, they want the protection that the scripture would give them if everybody would be in their right lane. It's like you can't really have it both ways. Right. You know, yes, the justice system has failed women just like it's failed minorities. The justice system is not where we're going to find our answer. But domestic violence was really going on in these, you know, we're going to switch to like churches. You know, it's happening even inside the body of Christ, as we see. Exactly. You know, and I'm not, and you, you know, we talk about with the Catholic Church, which is a form of domestic violence, you know, all the way to our local churches where you have a leadership abusing their spouses. Right. And and because of the of the of the the wanted to be first lady, she'll sit there and take it. She'll sit there and take and that's it. That's not okay. Now, yeah, let me, that's not okay. It is, it's kind yeah. of personal. When you were going, okay, what was the when it first happened? If you can remember back, your first sign mm-hmm. of it. I'm sure there are signs. You know, even if it's the first sign, he just hauled off and hit you. You know, there was a sign. Mm-hmm. What pressured you to stay? Okay, so that question is fully loaded. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to answer this twofold. First, before I got married to this this individual, there probably were signs. But when you know you don't have knowledge, you can't see them. So there were signs. And I know now that when I went, there was um, a lot of anger issues, a lot of me not picking up my phone after 15 calls. That were the, those were red flags. Those should have been red flags had I known, but I didn't. So later on, 
Um, the sign that I noticed was the first time he did put his hands on me, which was Je- July 4th, 2008. I had just had my first child. And so during that time, that was, that was hard. Cause if you just, you know, a, a woman just having babies going through hormones, coming off of hormones, whatnot. So when that happened, my baby was not even three months old yet, you know? And I had just, we had just gotten married in May, May, June, July, that, you know, when that happens, what are you supposed to do? I just got married. He just hauled off, you know, and hit me. I know what in my mind I need to leave, but with a newborn, me not having work, she not having a job, staying in my family's place, like, how is this going to work? Where am I going? Am I going to go back to my family who thought that he was not such a good character? And I'm just going to do what now with a newborn? What am I doing? Wow. So that's one side. Yeah. You have you have the pressure to have mm-hmm. a newborn, but then, okay, the baby gets older. Why mm-hmm. now? So the baby gets older, and still, I still have no work. I did try, you know. I did try and go out there being, of course, uh, pregnant with my second because the babies came quickly. You know, once you're married, babies start coming quickly. So I try to go to work, go do, you know, overnight stocking at seven months pregnant, trying to do that. Of course, the, the violence is still going on. I'm trying to see past, like, I need to get some income because he's not working. Let me go and try to do all I can do. Well, of course, that didn't work out. So it's more saying situ- situational kind of domestic violence with me and trying to figure out well, how I get out of this, you know, and the more you try to think about it, that verbal abuse and the emotional and mental abuse is nothing to joke with because more of that was going on than even the physical. There is a lot of physical, but more mental. And the mental is what keeps you stuck and bound. It's not necessarily the physical. If someone can get into your head and tell you you're worth this, you're not going to be amount to nothing and you need me. And the way that they strategically do it and they plan and they tell you every single day you're going to obviously soon start to believe what you hear, especially if that's the only person that's around you and they have isolated you from anyone else who can come and talk to you because the person no longer wants your family around. So they have all that time to get into your head. So we fight when you're coming out of the method violence, you're fighting the mental abuse to get that strength and courage. Of like, you know what? I got to get out of this, but it takes a long time because you got to fight the battle of the mind. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was there any religious uh, pressures to stay? Because now we talk about yeah. we, we went with the physical, so now we did with the psychological. Were there any religious right. pressures playing into this? Your decision to stay. That was also a factor, you know. Me being a woman of faith, I I figured, you know, because you know when you you read your scripture, you read your Bible, and I was very devout doing that. I still am. And I said, Lord, I don't want to break this covenant. I didn't enter into a marriage lightly because I know what it says till death do part good and bad. Mm-hmm. I do not go and go get a divorce because that's not what I want. You don't even like divorce, Lord. What am I doing? Right. And that was my that was my head trying to rationalize staying, staying in that because I said I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna put up with this because I'm I'm gonna, you know, pray this through praying regardless and staying and going to church and fighting and praying and staying. It was the same thing, a very cyclical 
very violent behavior that I was going through and fighting myself with faith. I was so afraid to even tell some of these pastors and they would ask, you need anything? Tell us. And I'm like, I don't want to tell them. And then I started to tell some people when I go to church and they said, we'll pray for you, but you kind of start getting out of that thing. I was like, no, I'll be okay. And they could see, they knew what he was about. And I just kept saying, Oh no, it'll work out. I got my faith. God's going to bring me out. But God does bring you out when he puts people in your lives to tell you and show you a mirror that that what you're in, that's not even biblical because he's, he may have not even been sent for you. And matter of fact, he's not sent for you because the way that he is, he's so angry, so mean, there's no love. There's no kindness. That is not, that is not replicable. That is not something that God would want you in. And I kept thinking to myself, Lord, is this, should I just keep staying? So I was fighting myself the entire time of trying to stay and not break the covenant. I didn't want to do that. I said, Lord, I don't want to get a divorce. I would be separated, but my kids need a two-parent home. I, I, I did this. I stayed, and I'm going to stick it through. Wow. But that was very dangerous. That was very wow. dangerous. Wow. So let me ask you this. Were you, yeah. uh, how long have you been saved? <sighs> saved at age 17, rededicated my life at age 26. And when did you get married? In 2008. And how old were you then? 27. I'm going somewhere with this. But he wasn't mm-hmm. saved, right? No, he wasn't. He had gotten, after we had gotten married, he had gone and gotten saved and baptized a little thereafter. Well, behind his behavior, he might not still be saved, but um, right. Um, <laughs> and I guess there's something to the Bible that tells us not to yoke up with people who are not saved. I mean, because you did something that I see typically happen in church. Church women with their blessing with their Holy Ghost power, laying on hands, all tongue talking self, they think that I can marry this unsaved guy and I'll be the one who bring him to Christ. And really, what I've seen. It really doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. And because if you were in touch with your Bible, as much as you know now, you know, it's a progressive thing, you would have never married the unsaved man. And I, right. you know what I'm saying? And we're not saying the unsaved men, the saved men don't do this, but I'm saying you kind of started by, you made a covenant with the enemy. Hmm. You know, you made a covenant with a non-believer. And the Bible just tells us that's going to be rough, rough for you. You know, and I'm going to say vice versa. When a, when, a, when, a, when, a, when a man of God, and I don't mean the preacher, I mean just the man of God, man has follows God, and he marries a woman who's not saved, it's going to be tough for him. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas was your, so then my question would be your commonality had to be one of physicality and lust. And what could have been the love of God because he wasn't saved? You know what I'm saying? Even though you were right. saved, the reality is there was something attracted you to him, whether he convinced you or not, but you didn't lay him up to, like you said, the signs were there. And I guess you might have thought mm-hmm. of You know, him getting on you, he really cared about me and Cause he didn't call me 15 times. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I don't answer. He balls me out. 
Yeah. So, what do you think about that? If you go back, do you think that you weren't on the right page when you got married? I think I, 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 I wasn't on the right page, but I think I used a lot of factors to push me into the direction because truth be told, he wasn't that attractive to me. But mm-hmm. <laughs> at the juncture I was out, I was trying to get out of my parents' place. You know, I didn't want to be this grown woman stayed up in my parents. I wanted to be out. So I kind of took an escapism, you know, escaped with that man. And now, you know, if I had known what I know now, I probably mm-hmm. would have had to put my pride aside because that was a pride thing and just stay with my parents until the right person came along. You know, I was trying to just get on and be on my own. I didn't want to be back with them coming out of the military. I wanted to be on my own. And I said, I don't want to be here with you guys living up in your house. Don't want that. Right. So it was kind of a freedom thing, a rebellious thing, and it ended up being a violent situation that you were put in. Right. And you finally broke away. And now that you broke away, you're trying to help those who are in those situations just like you, correct? Correct. That is what my goal is. So do you think counseling really helps or getting together, you know, group counseling, one-on-one counseling? You know, what do you what would suggestion would you be to anybody, male or female, who's just come out of that? What should they go look to do or look for first? Um, first, I think it would be to find either or, or would work, but either group, a, a domestic violence group or mm-hmm. individual counseling. Um, it is very helpful. Both of them are very helpful. If you're in a group, you get to hear from other people who have shared the same experience like you um, in their way. And then you have a, a space where you can share how you feel. Um, the only difference with that, of course, you have to keep your time limited because it's not about just you. Everybody has to get a chance to share. So if you are coming out of something really important and you really want to just have that real one-on-one time and you don't really want to give your time to other people, then individual counseling, because you have to get that stuff out, the animosity, the hostility, the hurt, the shame, the blame, all of that, the guilt of making wrong decisions, wrong choices. you have to go and talk with someone because if you don't, that stuff will eat you up. And I know firsthand, you will be snapping on every single body that comes into you and your character will change. And the anger and all of that, that's in you will manifest. It will change you into something you do not want to become. Hmm. So that was kind of what I was going to go next. Uh, going through something like that makes you angry and you could actually run away a good man or a good woman, depending on how you look at this. You can run away the person that God has for you because you still have a lot of stuff built up in you and you're, you know, it's like a protection mechanism. The only way for me to protect myself is to like get all this out at the start. I I remember one time when I was dating a young lady and our first date out the box, she gave me like a watch list of what I wasn't going to do to her. Hmm. And at that time I was younger, so I didn't think it, but I'm like, she had had some domestic violence because everything she said related to somebody doing that to her, you know? To the point, one of the things she said, which which sparked my interest totally was, you're not going to put a cigarette out on me. I don't even smoke. Hmm. You know, so she had had a guy, you know, put a cigarette out on her leg or something. Mm. 
you know, and 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 she was running down what she and I, you know, and I had to, you know, calm her down and show her over time that that's not what I do. You know, that's not even something I think about. But when you're when that kind of uh, tragedy or abuse happens, it's become part of your DNA. And just as long as it it lasts, it takes even longer to get out. That's very true. You know, it's like a concussion. All it takes is one good hit, and you can have a concussion. But the ramification of concussion is will last maybe throughout the rest of your life. Right. You know, how do you go on after experiencing someone you've made a covenant with, someone that you may have loved, someone that you thought you would be with the rest of your life, and they violated you in so many different ways, and now you're done with them, but how do you pick up and go on to the next relationship without scarring the relationship that you're about to go in? Well, this there's, there's so much to that question because um, women, and I, I was one of them, still probably got my little processes, but um, when you come out of something like that and the last thing you're probably thinking about is getting into another relationship with another man because you may feel that all males will do the same. And of course, we know all men are not the same, but it really takes a person like doing the work. And when you hear Ayala Vassant and all of those people saying doing the work, that means real work. So when you're going to these groups, don't go to the group and just sit there and nod and look at everyone else and not share anything. You have to get that stuff out. And when people are talking to you, you, you have to express, you have to touch those emotions that were touched and violated to you from the other person and just know it's okay to feel. You have to get in that place where your body is no longer on the alert, as you said, because we have three mechanisms in our mind, which is the flight, freeze, and fight. And right. your body was put in that, that, that moment when you're going through that, your body's either going to run, it's going to freeze, or it's going to fight back. So while you have all of that like shut down and now your body understands that you are in a safe place, you don't have to worry about survival because that's a survival mechanism. You don't have to worry about that. Now you have to worry about the emotions, but your body said you are not in a good place to be vulnerable right now. You cannot show any signs of sadness. You can't do that because that will then have that person hurt you. Your body is protecting you. So when someone else comes into another woman or man's life that has gone through a traumatic thing like domestic violence, it really is behooving of the other person to just give them time. Just, just give them time. And for the person who's going through and has come out of it, it really is something for them that they have to be open and just open their heart and their mind and not just be like, oh, this person's going to do the same thing. Because it's not. You can't take those bad experiences and put it on someone else who had no part in that. So it's kind of a two, it's kind of two sided right there that one has to be understanding. Like I, I understand where you're coming from and the other person, if they're doing the work, they will eventually be able to say, you know, that was a part of my life. That's a part of my story, but it doesn't have to be our story when we start to want to get to know each other on a different level. It doesn't have to be that I'll share with you. And just hopefully the person that the, the new individual won't use that information as a way to incite abuse again, that they'll be like, okay, I hear you. I hear that a traumatic experience, but I'll be here with you and we'll walk this path together. It's a journey. It's a process. Okay. Okay. So you hope the new person won't weaponize the information that they have received. 
Exactly. Wow. Wow. You know, relationships are becoming more and more complicated, even, you know, as more we come out with the different ills of man. Uh, and I think I got one more question. How can the church better itself in dealing with those who have been through domestic violence? Well, the church. How can the church be dealing with it at all? Well, I think the church has to. First of all, the church needs to know that they are they are a big part of helping those in the church that are being hurt with abuse because they may not know in their congregation that that's going on. And it may not even be happening from the clergy. Like you said, it might be happening from that intimate spouse, be it male or female. But if they don't have somewhere, they don't have to have a program. But if you don't have some kind of resource or some kind of advocate or somewhere for those people to go, like it's almost like you have a Band-Aid covering up something that is bleeding and it needs attention and they have nowhere to go. So if the church doesn't even want to bring it into into their congregation and say this, at least let there be a resource, a referral, somewhere where they can go if someone calls and they don't have anybody on the church staff that deals with that. Have a place where they can go, have a resource that they can they can go to. If anybody's going through domestic violence, we have resources, we have pamphlets. Give the people something so that they can understand. And if you feel like you're going through spiritual abuse, just don't let it be a shaming thing. There's people here that can talk to you or invite a local resource or a local um, organization that actually deals with that and let them come and speak sometime and say, hey, look, this is what we do out in the community. Okay. Church members here, you know? Okay, okay. Well, this is a conversation between Tamika Drake and Pastor Sutton, and we're talking about domestic violence. I guess we could continue the conversation. What time would not allot us to? She gave us a lot of information from her heart. And I think it's something that the church should pay attention to. And like she said, if it's not having a group within the church, definitely have the ability to point to the right resource where the people can get help, whether they're in your church or not. So, Sister Drake, would you like to pray us out and then we will? Continue with another topic at another time. Yes, Pastor, I, I would be delighted. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your gracious mercies. Lord, let all the listeners that have been able to listen to this, Lord God, let it touch their spirit. And Lord, we know that you are the only way to come out of any kind of situation that has to do with trauma and abuse. Lord God, help those who have been affected by domestic violence in such a way, Lord God, that you will let them know that you still love them you still comfort them and they are still important to you, Lord God. And you, we want to just love on them wherever they are, Lord God. In the name of your precious son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ms. Drake. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.